welcome back to the European show. This is our last episode before the international break and yeah we're gonna look back at a very exciting week of, of football and to join me in doing so as always is Nick. So welcome back Nick. Thank you very much, Jack. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. And so the first place to start and the only place we should really start is the El Clasico. Um where Barcelona ran out to some people shock 4-0 winners against Real Madrid um, with the only notable thing Real Madrid doing was wearing kits made by Y3 um, but apart from that Javi Ball fully obliterated Real Madrid yeah I mean in all honesty that's what you get for wearing a black kit in in El Clasico at Madrid like it, 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 it's sacrilege and, it, and it's heinous but they did it and they paid the price for it so like what what can you say but yeah, at the end of the day, like you said, Xavi Ball completely tore apart um, Real Madrid. There wasn't really a sense of defending. <laughs> there were so many holes in the back line that constantly Aubameyang was just getting played through over and over again. And it is impressive to see. We did doubt him. I think a lot of people did, but we definitely made it quite clear that we weren't sure if he'd be able to pick up his form again. He is as fast as ever. He just kept on blasting past the Militao every single time. Pedri was feeding him balls and obviously he scored twice because of it and and just in, in general like the the pace on the on on the through balls Real Madrid's backline wasn't able to keep up with it and in attack there was there was no attack without Karim Benzema the team just looked so lost they they couldn't find a player uh, in fairness Ancelotti did experiment a lot with the formation and I think he made a, quite a few tactical mistakes in trying to reshape a team around not having a number nine he could have played Jovic he could have played Mariano um, but he just chose not to and instead he put Rodrigo in like a false nine kind of position he tried to do a Man City basically and it was completely like, it did not work at all coupled by the fact that Araujo had a completely imperial game where he just locked down Vinicius and it just in general was solid overall Real Madrid just could not create too much danger there was a short period after the 4-0 um, where Barcelona was kind of like oh we've done our job and they kind of fell back and let Real Madrid attack a bit more but it wasn't anything that was like really clear chances so yeah that was what, what I saw no way what, what you thought of the game Jack obviously we did see the return of the Dortmund Aubameyang and Dembele with both players um showing what they're capable of. Obviously, Aubameyang has kind of hit the ground running um, at Barcelona, whereas Dembele was kind of an outcast until at least the club were unable to get rid of him. So they brought him back in and he's proving everyone wrong and proving why he should really be staying at the club. Um, it's, this, this is a big statement. Um, depending on what you say, but our Barcelona back, obviously we're not we're not we're not comparing them to the team of, of ten years ago. But are they on the way to being at least a good team and not a banter team? It it certainly does seem like it, Jack. Especially in attack, the the team is so revolutionised. One of the biggest problems under Kuman was just lazy, uninspired attacking. And now, as you would expect from a team led by Xavi, the midfield has, has been revolutionised. They're much more creative and much more active. And the strikers are really feeling that they themselves, the attackers, can uh, have also become 
much better, especially Dembele. He also had dropped a, an amazing performance on the weekend, and he's really been incredible. And you can you can see uh, the difference Xavi has made. Barcelona has scored four goals on six occasions since the sixth of February. Th- that is absolutely crazy. Those are insane numbers. The defense still needs some patching up. It's not always perfect, but considering they're outscoring pretty much anyone they play against, it really doesn't matter that much. I think Barcelona is in a much better position than they were um, under Koeman and and before the before the winter break. I also think Xavi has managed to do an amazing job with uh, with the new signings that have been brought in. Uh, there was quite a few players that didn't look quite up to the task. Ferran Torres is yeah pretty good, but like he didn't look that special. And now he's putting out some really good performances. And then Adam Traore and Aubameyang, like what can I say? They they've absolutely landed, and right off the bat, like within within minutes, got understood what what Xavi wants of them, and and how to play well, and they've been tearing up uh, opposition defenses. So I think that the way things are looking, uh, it is only the beginning. Barcelona do look like they're going to just shoot off and and become the titans that they once were. But obviously, it's going to take time, and practice from from Xavi. If if Barcelona get the recruitment right in the summer, could we see Barcelona winning the title next season? Yes, it is possible. It's early to call, um, and with these kind of things, it's always unpredictable. But I think it is possible, yeah. And I think you mentioned it briefly. Did Real Madrid underestimate Barcelona? I would say so. Even though Barcelona was looking quite threatening walking in from from their big victories, as I mentioned earlier. Um, seeing Ancelotti's experiments, he maybe thought he could get away with more than with more than he ended up being able to. So yeah, I would think that he did make some mistakes that he wouldn't have if he if he was better prepared or or more like if he was ready for a stronger Barcelona. Um, finally, on the El Clasico, it, the win prompted Shakira to say that Gerard Piquet is the best centre back in the world. Mate. <laughs> I did not hear that and I did not see that either. Yeah, he's a good player. He's he's improved since since a while back. Don't get me wrong. But what? <laughs> Sorry? Uh, I I think and she did say it is it's not to do the, with the fact with the fact that that's her husband. But she said that with chest, which I think is it's a very <laughs> it's a very strong statement to say. And a very wrong statement at the same time. No, no disrespect to Piquet, but that's just not true. Um, there were two other games though in La Liga, which obviously weren't of as note. Yeah, but but I think they still were very consequential in the title race, or well in the top four race, because we've been talking about Sevilla. Uh, can they maybe catch up to Real Madrid? Do they have what it takes? They're looking quite good, aren't they? That was a conversation we had in January, and I was like, dude, Sevilla sucks in the second half of the season every time. And I was right. Um, Sevilla drew against Real Sociedad. Um, not that, not that Sociedad is a pushover team at all, but, um, but if you're really pushing for the number one spot, you can't be long to do that. And it's also a series of, of, of draws that Sevilla can't allow. They've picked up one win in their last five games. And really, they're just not racking up the points that they need to. Um, the, the game itself well, it was pretty hard fought, in fairness. Both teams 
uh, had chances and Sevilla dominated on the pitch, but they just weren't able to convert. And on the table, that has catastrophic consequences to them because, I mean, Real Madrid hasn't gotten any further from them. Granted, if anything, Sevilla's actually gotten closer to top spot. But realistically, they're not going to get there, especially considering that now Barcelona and Atleti are only three points behind them and the Barcelona has a game in hand. So it's looking very possible that not only will they not win the title, they might even drop out of, of the top three spots. If they're extra bad, maybe even out of the Champions League spots, but that's quite unlikely. So we don't make those, those assumptions yet. Um, and then the reason why Atleti is catching up to Sevilla, they won against Rayo uh, 1-0 on, on the weekend as well. It was a very serious game from Atleti, uh, much more composed than we've seen them this season. Um, it was similar to, to against Man United. The defence was much more solid, um, much much more focused. I think the addition of Renildo, even though he did make some stupid mistakes when he first signed um, in his first like three games, he's really like locked himself down. And, and as a defensive player, he's incredibly solid and he just closes it. Mario Hermoso was great last season, but this season he sucked pretty hard, I'm not going to lie. And and now with with Renilo kind of giving him a bit of a rest, a bit of a break, Aleti's defense has been reinvigorated, and they seem to have really began to shut off the opposition, just like they used to be able to. Added on to the fact that Oblak is recovering his form, uh, just Rayo just did not have a chance to score. They were completely blocked off, even though in possession the game was even. It was just it, it was not even in terms of chances created, especially because Joao Felix and Griezmann. Once again, the two of them playing together are, are extremely good. They're, they're an amazing creative uh, partnership. And even though only one game, one goal came from the game, uh, the, many more could have could have been created. And uh, well, the one goal came from Koke, assisted by Joe Felix. It was a really nice curler. I think Koke's time off injured uh, may have helped him because he was beginning to also suck pretty pretty damn hard. Um, it was almost certainly just exhaustion, both mental and physical, of having played literally every single minute of every single game up to his injury. But he was really dropping his level. And now against Man United and here against Arrayo, he's recovered what he's capable of doing. So with this refreshed um, Atleti team, we'll have to see what can, what can come out of, of the next few months. Um, so now we'll have our break and then we'll be back with Syria and the Bundesliga. Welcome back from our break. We're now going to look at Serie A. So the biggest game in Serie A was a derby of Rome with Roma playing Lazio. Rome actually ran out 3-0 winners. With Tammy Abraham being the highlight standout player for Roma in the first half. Rob, um, two goals by Abraham has meant he's now third in the goal-scoring tally um, behind Immobile and Vlahovic. But for Roma, he's broken the record for most goals scored in a debut season, beating the lights of Gabriel Battistuta, who is obviously a legend of the Italian game. Um, and it just shows, it makes you question certain things, either how Chelsea run as a football club or how Serie A is as a league. The likes that Chelsea sold Abraham, replacing with Lukaku. Um, Abraham's doing well in Serie A while Lukaku's doing it clearly, it clearly shows how 
just how well Abraham has managed to get shine um, when he's given the time and opportunity to do so. Because even when he went through a period of seven games without scoring, he, he still managed. The, Mourinho kept the faith and it's paying off now. Inter, they played Fiorentina um, and drew 1-1. So it continues Inter's very poor, poor league form where they're unable to really muster up results and it's seen them slowly drop down the table. And because of other results, with Juventus beat, beating Salernitana 2-0, it does mean now Juventus are one point off Inter Milan. And it's it's tough to see when this rot for Inter Milan will actually end. Well, for Juventus... It's being reported that um, Paolo Dybala is now not going to renew his contract at Juventus. We obviously spoke about it um, when it first arose the contract um, disagreement and now it's being reported by multiple people that Dybala is going to leave now. And the other top two in the race for the title, Milan beat Cagliari 1-0. And then Napoli beat Udinese 2-1, um, with Victor Oshman scoring twice. It's good to see that Oshman is finally showing what he's able to be do, what what he's able to do, especially after Napoli paid so much money from nearly two years ago now. Um, and so that does mean the top four heading into this international break is Milan are on 66 points, Napoli are on 63. Inter are on 60 and Juventus are on 59. It would be the biggest misjustice ever if Juventus win this title. <laughs> so now we're going to look at the Bundesliga. So Bayern beat Union 4-0. Kingsley Coman opened the scoring with a great, great first goal. Um, Tanga Nianzu um, then doubled Bayern's lead as he scored his first goal for Bayern. And then Robert Lewandowski scored twice to take his tally this season to 31 goals. Um, it does mean he has seven games left to score 11 goals to break his record. It's a case of this is it's going to be tight once again. But as long as Lewandowski can stay fit and healthy, it's entirely likely that he'll probably do it again. Obviously, there was... Some talk of a title race, but that was immediately shut down when Dortmund drew 1-1 with Cologne. It was a classic Dortmund performance. Um, Erling Haaland lookalike Marius Wolf opened the scoring with a great, great pass from Jude Bellingham. It's, it's one of the best assists you'll see around. Um, I'm not just saying that because it's Jude Bellingham. It was genuinely a great pass um, before Stefan Andersen equalised for Cologne after an Anthony Modeste assist. Um, so yeah, uh, there is no more title race now, as Dortmund have done the Dortmund thing, and have ruined it. Yeah, um, Leverkusen increased their chances of qualifying for Champions League football as they beat Wolfsburg 2-0. They did leave it a bit late with Paulino scoring twice in the 86th and 92nd minute. Um, Leipzig suffered in their hunt for Champions League football as they drew 0-0 with Frankfurt. Um, this was just a case where Leipzig just were unable to score and no matter what Nkunku or anyone at Leipzig did, the ball just wouldn't go into the net. Felix Magath's 
first game uh, for Hertha Berlin, he wasn't in the dugout because he was uh, he contracted COVID, um, and but they were fine without him as they won a three 0 against Hoffenheim, who they themselves are challenging for the Champions League places, and then at the bottom, Stuttgart have are complete completing some sort of miraculous escape. Um, they've produced another comeback two weeks after a comeback against Borussia Mönchengladbach um, they've done it again against Augsburg beating them 3-2 um, they were 2-1 down at half time before Omar Mamouche and Thiago Thomas both scored goals to bring to win it for them and well, it's worth noting that Thiago Thomas is being brought in from Sporting Lisbon on loan and he's I wouldn't say he's been game changing but he has added a significant boost to Stuttgart's attack especially with the lack of, of Silas and sometimes Sasa Kalajic as well uh, it's also worth noting that most of the crowds in the Bundesliga are back to full capacity we're not talking restriction well there still are some restrictions in place like you need a mask, you need to be vaccinated whatever, but we're looking at nearly full capacity stadiums and the fan groups are back as well which is probably the most important thing they're the ones that show the TIFOs bring the atmosphere and all that and, and there was one um, that Stuttgart showed um, before their game as well um, however with that comes some disadvantages um, Bochum versus Borussia Mönchengladbach it was all full house at the Ruhrstadion 100% um, capacity Gladbach were up 2-0 um, thanks to goals from Briel and Bolo and Alisson Player. However, after around the 71st minute, there was an issue where beer, beer throwing is an issue at Bochum, especially in the area, in the, in a certain stand. It is, and there was a video before the game by the club captain saying, drink the beer, don't throw it. Um, but one fan clearly didn't like how Bochum were playing, threw the beer and it hit um, the assistant referee at the back of the head and it ultimately meant the game was abandoned. Um, this isn't the first time it's happened to Bochum uh, as it happened when they played St Pauli in 2015 but it's not the ideal way for a game to end. It ruined my Friday night. I would have rather my Friday night be ruined by Bochum beating Borussia Mönchengladbach then about to watch Borussia Mönchengladbach win and then they just some some German man from Bochum said no um, but due to the rules at the DFL it's looking like Gladbach are going to get the three points from this game which is obviously a a positive so now we're going to have our goal some break and then we'll be back with Liga So now we'll look at Liga, um, the gift, 
uh, keeps on giving PSG. They had a, a they were against Monaco, who are have been underperforming this season, and they lost three <laughs> 0 It was another collapse from PSG. Um, obviously, Kevin Volland and Avisamia Benyeda Brace um, won it for Monaco, and it, it it just gets to the point now where it's it's just funny um, how bad PSG are. But it does highlight that we can we can finally talk about Tuchuani again. Um, we mentioned him last last season, and how um, how good he had been um, in Monaco's race for the title, and he's done it again. Um, he's been very impressive this season, and has probably been one of the only highlights of Monaco's Monaco's season. But he's definitely one that I wouldn't be surprised may leave Monaco at the end of the season. Um, but that loss does mean there's a 12-point gap now between PSG and Marseille, who are second. They beat Nice 2-1. Um, I think this just goes to show if if the teams below PSG didn't keep constantly tripping up against each other and losing to lesser teams, there would be a title race. And I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if PSG were not first. They're the most undeserving team to be first. Well, anything can happen. And this is PSG, who <laughs> he looked like they were going to beat Real Madrid. So we never know. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And it's now Ajax. Um, they were playing Feyenoord in one of the biggest games in the Netherlands. And they had to come from behind. To win three, um, and so that does mean they maintain their two-point lead ahead of PSV in the in the table. But it is worth noting that Ajax were second. They then proceeded to lose their lead, or or gain the lead over PSV, but they proceeded to lose it again. So it's definitely going to be interesting how this end of season may play out in the Netherlands, especially with this potentially being Eric Ten Hag's last season. I meant. Um, in Belgium, Union saint gilois they have a five-point lead over Club Bruges with two games left in the regular season in Belgium. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting how those two games play out and what sort of lead they're going to be taking with them into the championship playoff. As if, um, as if things stay as they are, they will be going in with a three to two-point lead, which is not really ideal when they could have had a five-point lead um, but they've started to draw games and stuff but obviously the dream is still there that Union will win the title and it's still entirely possible and so as we're at the international break there are two games really that are of interest that is Italy versus Macedonia and Portugal versus Turkey these are only of interest as if both Portugal and Italy win They'll be playing against each other for one place in the World Cup final. Or in the World Cup finals. So it's going to be very interesting how we could potentially miss out on the Europe, on the winners of the Euros, the previous winners of the Euros, and potentially miss out on Ronaldo on what could be his last World Cup. Oh, we, we do have some interesting news. Which I know we just spoke about Belgium, but Mark Overmars is now the sporting director at Antwerp. Um, and finally, it's looking like the Euros in 2028 will be hosted by England and Ireland as they face no challenge to their bid, which is a bit of a shame, really. 
and so that would mean two euros in a row um, in big UEFA nations and two out of the past three euros would have seen a final at Wembley as well which is a not really ideal and it's a similar similar situation really to what UEFA have done with the Champions League and how we've had two finals in Portugal two years in a row um, so yeah that's it for today thank you for listening please like us follow us subscribe whatever and we'll be back after the international break Thank you.